Welcome to Under the Lens. Come and enjoy an extraordinary, raw, and unfiltered podcast that delivers debate, discussions, and interviews about film, pop culture, and everything in between. Here is your host, film critic and journalist, Byron Lafayette. Greetings, all. Uh, Before we get to today's uh, podcast episode, I wanted to apologize. Uh, The sound quality of my voice in the following interview is not very good, uh, mostly due to the fact that I was not in my normal recording space when I conducted the interview. So due to that, uh, the sound quality on my microphone was not very good. Uh, The interview, however, uh, was very good, and uh, I appreciated the guest donating his time uh, to be able to come on the podcast and talk about his book. And so do that. I still want to release this episode because uh, I don't want to deprive uh, you guys, my listeners, uh, of this outstanding content. Uh, so again, I apologize uh, that the quality of my voice and the microphone is not normally what I would present, uh, but I hope that you do still enjoy the interview. Hey, all, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a very uh, special topic, uh, namely the Snyderverse of Zack Snyder's DC films. And I have a great uh, guest with me today, uh, Darren Kirst, and uh, he has written a book called The Snyderverse Saga. And it's a very exciting book. It's been getting great reviews uh, on Amazon and uh, from fans who have been reading it. And so as soon as I heard about it, I just knew that I had to have him on the podcast to uh, talk about the sometimes wild world of Zack Snyder's DC films. So thanks for uh, joining the podcast, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, just to like jump right in about this, uh, this book, you know, um, where did the seed or the genesis for the idea for it come from? That's a good question. So for a long time, obviously the fans have been contributing their unique creative skills to either promote the release of Snyder Cut movement or to promote Zack Snyder himself or the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is so incredibly awesome to see how everything that's been done through that. Um, and I'd always kind of wanted to do something like that, too. It's just I didn't really know how to do that for a long time. Like in 2019, uh, the, the city I live in, they had their first uh, Comic-Con that year. And I had a booth and I, it was about the release of Snyder Cut movement because this was before long before it was announced or anything like that. So, um, after, um, after that, and you know, that it didn't really go as big as I thought it was going to be, um, in my town. And so I was like, well, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And I eventually was like, well, you know, I'm a writer, you know, I'm, I was a contributing writer for two different entertainment websites. And so I just kind of was like, I was naive enough to take on such a daunting task and ended up, uh, writing a book. Yeah, it's incredible, you know, cause, uh, you know, just when I was reading through it and stuff, you know, um, I love how thorough you are, you know, I love, you know, that it's, it's basically just like, it's a written history, you know, which I just thought was like amazing. And also, you know, like, you know, um, you know, I'm in grad school right now. And so like one thing I was kind of geeking okay. out a bit was I was like, he has footnotes. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. love the footnotes. It was amazing. You know, okay. cause sometimes people, yeah, sometimes people will put them, you know, at the end of the book, whatever, but I just loved how you had those at the end of wherever, you know, whatever page or whatever you mentioned i thought that was just awesome yeah you know? it was, yeah I, I agree yeah it was something that uh it was tedious to, to get every single one of those and and format it correctly and go through the whole process of that but it was so worth it um i i love how it like you said it's on each page 
that way you're not going back and forth the, from where you're at to the back of the book to back to where you're reading this back and forth thing. It's just on the bottom. I know on the ebook, I think it's technically they're all at the end because that's just how ebook formatting goes, I guess. Um, but but yeah, for like the like the hardcover or the paperback, it's that's on the bottom of each page. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's definitely it's pretty cool, you know. And I think like especially you know when it comes to like Snyder stuff, unfortunately, a lot of us fans are are the target, you know, of a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people in the popcorn gallery. And it's yeah. it's nice to have those sources in there, so you can be like, hey, you know what? Here it is, right here. You know, I said it, and it's right there. Um, you know, there's there's no doubt in anyone's mind. So I, I really enjoyed that. Exactly. And um, and you know, and talking a little bit about about that, like you know, the amount you know of things that you talk about in this book you know, and the entire story is just so gargantuan, you know, that's like, how much research did it take, you know, for you to kind of pull everything together for this book? Okay, so here's, here's the tricky thing about it. Um, I actually, a lot of it I experienced, because I've always been a fan, right? I've always mm -hmm. followed along with a lot of this stuff. So I knew 70 to 80% of the stuff that's in the book, because I was, I was online, I was reading it when it happened, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I was there, you know, so I experienced it. The biggest thing was just kind of, going back and adding everything into the book and kind of compiling everything into, into one big document per se, and um, adding in all the sources to back everything up. It, the, honestly, the book probably could have been even longer than what it is. It's just, there were some things I couldn't quite confirm um, or things had changed or whatnot. So um, yeah. No, that's, that's very true. You know, cause you know, I, I definitely agree with you that this, this story could have even been longer just because so much happened, you know, and it's pretty amazing when you look back and you think of how much has happened, you know, just over the few years, you know, it hasn't been that long, but so much has happened since 2013. I know. Right. You know, and you know, for, you know, those who are listening and maybe those who, who have heard of the DCEU, but they aren't, you know, a hundred percent familiar with everything, you know, um, what films are we talking about when we say the Snyderverse? Like what films would you say are included in that? Right. Cause I know like recently, like Zach has made some comments about like, what does the Snyderverse mean? <laughs> is it DC? Is it his original IP, uh, projects over at Netflix? Is it everything, anything mm -hmm. Zack Snyder related? Um, so my book specifically is talking about uh, his his run with in the for the DC movies. So it starts with Man of Steel. Technically, I kind of start with the end of The Dark Knight Rises, and how like like that was kind of the lead in to Man of Steel, and then kind of go through the whole process of Man of Steel, uh, the whole process, you know, pre production, production marketing the, the the fallout if you will uh of bvs i talk about suicide squad justice league wonder woman um i talk a lot about um some of the movies that didn't actually come to fruition there's a whole chapter dedicated to ben Affleck's batman movie that never happened um that still to this day just haunts me but, it, 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 um, it is it is one of the great tragedies of hollywood honestly the more we hear yeah. about it the more that comes out i'm like oh man i know and, I, and i'm still looking forward to the matt reese version i really am I, oh I think yeah it looks really cool but no, you know there's a whole chapter about that and then obviously there's a whole big section talking about um the snyder cut Zack snyder's justice league um and that, like i talk about like man of steel too and how that hasn't actually come to fruition the green lantern corpse movie i talk about the, all the changes with the flash movie and Joker and even some of the things that don't really like specifically apply to the Snyderverse, but just kind of touching on them and like, Hey, here's kind of where it went. 
um, with WB, like what happened after. And, and then of course, like I said, like the whole big section, there's a whole section about Zack Snyder's justice league and how that came to fruition and, um, how it was such a, it was, it was a, a great ending, but at the same time it was slightly bittersweet because of the, um, the, I don't know how, how you, how you would phrase it, but, um, the conflict between Zack Snyder and Warner brothers. Mm-hmm. So no, definitely. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's what I always tell people is like, you know, I always tell them like, Hey, you know, if, if, you know, the Snyder cut is the end, you know, and he never does anything else for DC. I was like, there's a part of me that is satisfied just because it is an engaging film. And it does really kind of take that trilogy to a conclusion, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, please give us justice league too. <laughs> please get, please give it to us. You know? I know right? <laughs> so it's yeah. definitely, I, I, I feel you there. It's, it's definitely a very, very bittersweet. Um, you know, yeah. I just, I just want to see Ray Porter, you know, as, as dark side again. I agree. And yeah. also like one of the things I do mention, well, I should say I do end the book also talking about like the big, cl- it's almost like a cliffhanger. Like, is it going to continue? Here's what's been talked about that Zach wants to do and what fans want to do. It still could happen. We don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, if it is the end, then, you know, it was a, you know, triumphant ending, but um, there's also a whole chapter in there dedicated to, um, accountability over entertainment, the whole Ray Fisher allegation situation. Uh, there's a whole chapter about that, which was a little tricky because I, one of the things that was really important to me writing the book was that I didn't want to shame anybody. I didn't want to, you know, force my opinion on people. It was just me telling the events of what happened and then people can make their own decisions because, you know, nobody should be making their own decision off of what I say. They should make it on what they feel they should say. Um, so it was really important to me to write it from a somewhat neutral perspective, a professional perspective, um, when writing the book. So that was another chapter that I covered too. I think that's awesome. You know, cause you know, especially, you know, you know, obviously like you mentioned, you know, you're, you're a writer, you know, you're a journalist. So, you know, you know how important that, that neutral stand is when it comes to, especially, you know, giving an account, a historical account for the, for the most part, you know, um, you know, cause this book is, is going to go down as, as a, a history, you know, of, of everything that happened. Right. And, you know, like you said, whether, whether that history continues on, you know, and, and you write part two, you know, yeah. or, or, or the, or this is the end, you know, um, you know, in chapter one, you mentioned, uh, um, one part that I, I, I was not familiar with, but I thought was very interesting was you talk about, uh, Mark Miller and Matthew Vaughn had come up with the idea for like a Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, style, um, of films for Superman that, that was yeah. to cover his entire life. And I thought that was so interesting that even before kind of Snyder had come into, you know, the mix that they were already kind of viewing like Superman in this mythic lens a little bit. Yeah, um, so, so a little bit different, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I thought that w- that was interesting, you know, because, you know, for the most part throughout hi- Superman's history, you know, and a uh, slight rabbit trail, but I, I thought it was really interesting when I was reading through that. I was like, you know, Batman has almost exclusively been on the silver screen, whereas yeah. Superman has almost exclusive, almost exclusively been on the small screen of tv you know and when i counted i was like man i was like six tv shows for superman you know a handful of movies but then you have batman where it's like all movies and very few tv shows i thought that was interesting it um, is, yeah 
you know, but do you, do you think like, uh, I mean, obviously I think I know the answer, <laughs> your, what your answer is going to be. Um, but you know, what is your opinion of taking, you know, Superman into a mythic direction, you know, kind of almost putting him in a, in like a, a biblical, a biblical lens. And when I say biblical, not necessarily, you know, talking theological, but in that view of how we look at like Moses or David or something, you know, these larger than life uh, figures. I thought it was really smart. And I, I loved how Zach was really focusing on that with Man of Steel. Um, it's it's fresh enough. It's different enough of a take where it's not just copying the Christopher Reeve version, which is obviously iconic. And I'm still a big fan of the Christopher Reeve movies. Like I grew up loving those movies. I think he was amazing in that role. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad they didn't just go the route like Superman Returns did where they just, um, you know, and, and a lot of the other some of the other incarnations where they just kind of copy that, you know, they just kind of keep it the same, keep the status quo. And I love how Zach kind of branched out and kind of was like, well, let's pretend like none of those previous movies ever happened. And that's just based it on the comic books, you know, and do a totally fresh new take for a new generation. And it's funny because when Man of Steel, when they were first announcing it and when they were making it and the trailers were first coming out at first, I was, I mean, I'm, I was a really big Smallville fan. I still am. I sometimes show up on a Smallville podcast plug, but, <laughs> but um, I was like, Tom Wellings, this generation's Superman, like Smallville's this generation's take on that character. What are they doing? And then I saw the first trailer for Man of Steel and I was like, okay, never mind. I take back everything I just said. Um, so I was, I was super into it. I love how like Zach really leaned into that, um, that a lot of those allegories and a lot of like, and I do mention that in the book too, of um, a lot of the things that Zach was really trying to do, like Superman being 33 years old, mm-hmm. um, when he leaves the ship and Zod's ship in the sky and he descends toward earth. He's in the shape of a cross and even mm-hmm. in the water is like that. So there's, there's a lot of different nods to that. And I thought that was a really cool uh, way of, of kind of leaning into it for uh, a new generation. No, I, I definitely agree, you know, cause um, you know, cause you know, with those, with those uh, like you said, kind of the, the Christ figure allegories, you know, you know, it, it fits really well with, with Superman. You know, I mean, he was kind of designed by the original uh, creators to almost be like this Moses type character, you know, um, you know, coming in, in the pod, you know, and such. And so I, I did enjoy that a lot with, with Zack Snyder. You know, I know there were some haters on Twitter that were like, Oh, you know, we, we get the Jesus imagery, but I was like, Hey, it works, you know? And, and I think it, it, I don't know. I liked it personally. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. You know? and, 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 and I want to just acknowledge, I understand the creators of Superman were Jewish. I get it. I under, I, I know what you're saying. I know it's a thing, but I love how the character can evolve with each coming um, new take on it. I love how it can evolve with the current day, with the current times. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely, I hundred percent agree with you, you know, that, you know, we don't have to have these characters, you know, whether it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, anything, you know, they don't have to remain the same, you know, and if anything, they should always be evolving and changing, you know? Um, right. Yeah. You know, and, and, th- and that was honestly why part of the reason I loved the first Wonder Woman film, because I was like, Hey, you know what? Uh, Linda Carter is awesome. You know, she was iconic in that role well, yeah. and stuff, but you know, and it's like, obviously, you know, she kind of created this, you know, the, the um, engagement, you know, for that character. But it was awesome kind of, you know, showing a, a different view, you know, with Gal, you know, as this kind of warrior princess type, you know, thing that is, you know, strong, but emotional, just it was it was awesome. I thought, I thought uh, Snyder and, and Jenkins did a great job bringing that character to life um, for a new generation. as we've said. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. You know? I mean, you could almost argue they did it too well, because she like, mm-hmm. out, a lot of people think she outshined Batman and Superman in their own movie. 
she was so good for the limited screen time like she was awesome you know mm-hmm. and the and the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer oh. was just uh, incredible in that mm-hmm. scene and it's just like like it was it's so awesome oh it's true I mean I will I will never forget you know when I you know when I saw the theatrical version of BVS in theaters you know when you know Batman's about to get it you know from from yep. Doomsday and then yep. you know you have that guitar riff you know that drops as the shield goes down I honestly you know the theater was was cheering and clapping you know and it was just like an iconic moment in in comic book movie history I think personally oh, oh yeah for sure yeah <laughs> that, and then obviously like you said the Wonder Woman movie was was fantastic Patty Jenkins did an amazing job on that movie mm-hmm. and I mean I, I still argue I mean I still argue the best scene of any DC movie personally, I think comes from that movie and it's the no man's land scene. Mm -hmm. Like that's still my favorite scene. That is, that scene was incredible and, and it was amazing. I saw that one in theaters too. And I was just like, it was everything about it was just the music, the filming, the acting, everything was perfect. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's like every now and then I'll go, you know, and I'll, I'll see that scene again on YouTube and I'm like, Ooh, it's just as good, <laughs> you yeah. know? Oh, so but man. So, you know, um, you know, to, to chat just a little bit about like, uh, uh BVS Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, and you talked about this a little bit in in, uh, in its chapter as well, um, that one of the things I disliked about that film and what I think possibly may have contributed a little bit to the backlash was the title. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, that I loved, you know, the uh, uh, title that Snyder mentioned, you know, that you talk about where it's a son of sun, night of night. Yeah. Um, I just I absolutely love that title. I was like, man, I hadn't heard of that before I read it in your book. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um yeah. You know, and do you think that the studio pushing for the pulpier, you know, versus title maybe helped to missell, you know, the film to audiences who maybe expected something else when they were going in? Like instead of a heavier theological, philosophical take, they were maybe expecting the more bam, smack, pow <laughs> uh, type of film. Yes. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I even me, like I even like back then, like when I was I, I was super into it, I was you know, trying to watch any behind the scenes footage I could, you know, and I was following it all online and I was just so into it all the time. Uh, I was, I'd never been more excited for a movie, probably still haven't been as excited for a movie um, as that one. And I, de- I definitely think even as a huge fan going into it and, and as much as I like, really like the movie, I agree. It was sort of a weird kind of, I think even I was a fan was expecting it to be more of a, a, a versus movie and less of uh, of what it was. And I think, especially as time has gone on, I think people have really softened their, their stance on it. If they're opposed to it, I think um, they're not quite as hardcore against it. I think they've learned to accept it and they might see it for what it is as opposed to what they were hoping it would be. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I definitely, I, I agree. Cause it seems, you know, just as, as the years have gone by the, the approval of that film and just kind of the rediscovery of it have increased it, you know, that more and more people are enjoying it, you know, and, you know, versus like other films that are maybe a bit more divisive that kind of people, you know, aren't quite as, you know, the, the fan base isn't growing for, you know, it's like, you know, I think of a film almost like the last Jedi and, you know, and I know there's people who really love that film and there's people who really hate it, you know, but I almost kind of view that a little bit kind of like Batman versus Superman in the sense of kind of the divisiveness and and the fan bases and such, you know, but I think it's interesting that you look at, you know, BVS three years later versus last Jedi three years later, and you see kind of, you know, the difference, you know, of, uh, of, how much people are, are finally <laughs> coming on board the BBS ship, you know, and saying, Oh, this, yeah. this film is actually way better than we were told it was in the beginning. 
Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely mm-hmm. can understand the similarities between those two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of continuing on a little bit, uh, you know, with that, you know, I kind of wanted to, to chat a little bit about the panic at Warner Brothers that happened after BBS. And, and this was, uh, you also ch- uh, talked about this in your book, you know, that, you know, uh, BBS was profitable. You know, I think in the book you mentioned it was like a hundred million in profit somewhere around there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It made just a little under 900 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, very, very successful, you know, it's like, of course, you know, I think they were expecting a billion dollars. I think all of us were expecting over a billion, um, you know, but that being said, you know, I don't think that its final total was anything to kind of turn a nose up to, especially, you know, with a profit of a hundred million, um, you know, and, but like I said, it wasn't the runaway hit Warner brothers was expecting, but that being said, what I, one thing that I find interesting in kind of this duality that you kind of see is that, you know, I like to compare it to Civil War, you know, um, as you talk about, too, you know, about how they both came out a similar time, very similar uh, topics and such. But one thing that I was surprised, I remember when, you know, the box office was all said and done, you know, was that, you know, Civil War is remembered, you know, very fondly in the sense of box office and critic wise and everything. But like, you know, when you go under the hood a little bit with Civil War, you actually kind of see that really civil war was a bit of a disappointment for marvel as well it had the worst legs of the mcu uh, some of the worst legs of the mcu franchise um you know it did not have a a good um uh, a good repeat viewer you know ratio and such um and you know it was definitely looked like they were aiming for avengers level money and you know it came in just a little over a billion and such uh you know, and then you also look at like how when the first Hulk film, you know, came out, it was the MCU's second movie and was a serious disappointment in terms of box office. Um, yet mm-hmm. I think it's, it's weird that you look at like Marvel that they didn't panic, you know, that they were like, okay, Hulk wasn't successful. We're going to move on though with the universe and like, okay, Civil War maybe wasn't exactly the way, you know, what we were hoping it was going to be box office wise, but they still moved on. But then you see like Warner Brothers just kind of threw this like hissy fit and was like kind of kind of panicking, running in circles. And it's like, you know, why do you think that that they didn't copy Marvel in that sense? And like, you know, why did they act the way they did, in your opinion? Well, uh, a couple things. So uh, first and foremost, the main difference is that Warner Brothers is kind of done by committee Um, as we're like with Marvel. And then when they, you know, join with Disney. Um, they hired somebody who they thought was really credible and who could do a good job. And they believe that person could do the job and then let them proceed to do that job. And then look what happened. They had a massively successful cinematic universe on a scale that'll probably never be repeated, you know? And even if there was one or two films here or there that maybe didn't quite land, granted, I think their films were a little bit more of a family friendly audience, I would argue. So that, I would maybe, agree with that maybe that maybe helps a little bit, but, um, but that was the other thing too with Warner brothers is that it was like, they were never fully sold on Zack Snyder, you know? And I, and I think, and, and just the history of what they've done, they are just overreactionary for, 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 for a lot of their, a lot of the movies, you know, like look at the Batman franchise, you know, you go from the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman movies. And then all of a sudden you shift into like Batman and Robin <laughs> and it's super light and they're like oh it's 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 too campy now we got to make it serious so they go to batman begins and then they go through that franchise and and then all bvs is too dark so they got to make it light and then we go into justice league and it's you know it's just crazy how it's just like this roller coaster 
No, that's that's very true because you know that is, that is very true when you go back to the Burton verse that you're like you know that yeah I mean technically all of those movies are supposed to be in the same universe but then you know you look at like Burton's Batman versus like you know uh, uh, you know Keaton you know, I mean uh, Keaton's Batman versus uh, you know George Clooney or something like that it's like whoa what's going on here you know? I know right <laughs> you know and you know I know those films have their fans and there are some redeeming factors in certain elements and such but it is it is yeah. true to kind of see that weird the weird uh, uh, shift, you know, between them. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and th- this is probably going to be like a PTSD question for you, um, wow. you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I got to ask, you know, um, did you see uh, Justice League? We'll just say uh, in theaters in 2017. Oh, I sure did. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, I shared the story um, online a little bit ago um, when I was first talking about the book, when the book first came out, but I did actually. Um, and I don't know if you've heard that story or not. I have not. No. Oh boy. You're, you're in for a treat. So quick story, <laughs> quick story. Okay. So I went, so yes, uh, I did go see the theatrical version of justice league in theaters. Um, the caveat, the, the big thing with that was that um, at that time in my life, I was planning on proposing to my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, you know, well, this is probably the last Zack Snyder DC movie. They keep saying it's going to be under with his tone and his style, you know, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to propose after the movie, you know? So, you know, I, I got the ring. <laughs> there was that last trailer that had Clark and Lois and he mentions the ring. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. It's already foreshadowing it. So, and, you know, and I was super excited and, um, we go to the movie theater and I almost had like a mini panic attack because that scene was not in the movie. Oh you my know? gosh. You know what I mean? And I was like, shoot, what do I do? You know, I was like freaking out. And then I was just like, well, I, I was obviously going to propose anyway. Like there, I, there was never a scenario or a multiverse where I didn't propose, you know? So um, I still propose after the movie and it was, it was great and all. And now we're married and life's good. But um, that was, that was my story was like, I had like a panic attack, like, shoot, like, why wasn't it in the movie? You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, it was in the trailer. I couldn't believe it, you know, but, oh. but yes, that was, that was my experience watching the movie, I guess. Oh, that, that is a really funny story. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a great story too, man. Oh, I hope you get to tell, uh, tell Zach that one day. Cause I think he'd get a I kick out so. of that. Oh, I hope so, yeah. it was funny. Cause that wasn't the only one too. When I went to watch suicide squad, the movie theater, it was, it was another interesting experience because the last like 10 minutes of the movie, the sound cut out. And it was just silence for the last like 10 minutes. So like everyone in the theater, it was actually kind of fun because everyone was like guessing what they were saying, you know, and it was this fun kind of communal experience. And then afterwards, you know, like we were trying to get our refund back and uh-huh. the, lady, the lady said, no, I can't do that. And then people were getting mad and it was just oh a crazy, gosh. crazy experience. So. Oh, that is wild. Oh, yeah. man. Cause I, I, I felt, you know, it, it was kind of, you know, similar experience in the sense of when I, when I watched, you know, justice league that I was like, you know, where are all these scenes? I was like, what's going on <laughs> you know, that, right. you know, you know, cause I was like one, you know, I was like, you know, when they announced that it was going to be two hours, I was like, one, I knew for sure that that was not Snyder's original goal. Cause I was like, he never makes two hour movies. Um, you know, yeah. like all of his are, all of his are, are way longer. So I knew that was already going to be odd when I saw that. But then like, I was just like, man, what is like, 
you know, what is like going on with this? And, you know, you know, at that point I didn't really know, you know, there, you know, I think most people didn't really know, you know, there wasn't a Snyder cut movement or anything like that, but like, you know, kind of at the back of my head, I knew, okay, something's not right here. This is, this doesn't feel like his movie at all. And I knew there had to have been all these like, you know, chopping and cutting that had to have gone, you know, cause just, I, I remember like the best way I can explain was like the, I'm not sure if you're a baseball fan or not. Um, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, but, but it's like, you know, um, you know, kind of like, you know, how they play the highlights of a season going into, you know, like the world series or something like that. Um, yep. that's like what, what that film felt like. It felt like we were watching the highlights of like the movie and there was no, like, um, no transitional scenes in between. It was just like, Oh, move from one highlighted action scene to the next. That's a great comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it was wild, man. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> so kind of like, you know, going into a little bit here of the, you know, the, the Snyder Cup movement, you know, that you, uh, you talk about, yeah. um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, in one of the chapters about, uh, and I think the chapter, uh, was called, um, setting a dangerous pre- precedent. Oh yeah. And it, and it was like how, you know, how a lot of, you know, critics and a lot of fans and people were kind of saying like, oh, you know, you know, I mean, I don't support the the Snyder cut because it sets a dangerous precedent. I've even had like fellow critics say that to me that they're like, "Oh, I'm glad his got released, but this shouldn't become a normal thing." And like, and personally, like with me, I don't fully understand that because I don't understand why people would be so threatened by the ideas of allowing directors to showcase what their vision is. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of like, you know, and so I was curious about your thoughts on that, because, you know, I even tell people, it's like, hey, this isn't just a DC thing. I'm like, hey, you know what, if there was a J.J. Abrams cut of Rise of Skywalker, I'd say, let's release that. I'd love to see it, you know? Yeah, I'm totally on board with you. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way. I'm kind of I was really shocked and taken aback by how against it people are even before were even before it was announced, you know? And how, like, even like in 2018, 2019, how so, you know, how against everybody, like in the media and, and journalism field kind of were, you know, and that's why people like Mark Hughes are um, invaluable and why we love them so much because he's told the truth no matter what, you know, mm. and he's, he's a fan like us, you know? Yeah. But um, he was one of those people who was like, no, I have heard like from people involved in the production, like it's a thing, you know, maybe, maybe not the four hour cut that we got, you know, but there is a version that exists, you know, it's a real thing. And it was just this backlash against it, you know? And then obviously when it was announced and how against it, people were like, even, even one of the websites I wrote for at the time that, I mean, I asked them like, Hey, is anyone covering this? And they were like, uh, you know, and <laughs> like, and they, and they actually didn't want, they didn't want any coverage of it. They, they said no, basically. And I read, I wrote like a 2000 word, like peace for it. And they said no, because they, you know, they, and even on their podcast later, they mentioned, they thought it was kind of uh, rewarding toxic fandom and all this stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, but that was just like the narrative that they were, that, that, that was building. And I was really shocked because it's like, well, you, as a studio, you agreed to let this filmmaker make this movie. Why don't you let him make that movie or let, or better yet, he made that movie. Why? I mean, it's sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Why not release it? you're going to make money off of it. There's a passionate fandom for it, you know, that's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for suicide prevention. And it's just like insane that they, they wouldn't, you know, and, and, and yeah. you know, like, it's just crazy. It was crazy to me. And I'm totally on board with you. It's like, you know, sometimes I get it. Like sometimes you got to play ball or whatever, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have to concede or, or, or you have to, um, 
um, meet in the middle. You know, you have to compromise sometimes. Like I get it. Oh, like definitely. Even, yeah. Even Zach had to with those quote unquote rules for the Snyder <laughs> cut with, with Green Lantern. But, uh-huh. you know, I mean, you know, but but it's like it's it's already filmed. A lot of the effects are done. Like, why not? You know, like, it's just crazy to me. No, I, I agree. It was just, it was so weird. And like, I remember even like, you know, uh, as the, uh, as the Snyder Cut was getting released, I remember when Zach was releasing a lot of, uh, you know, like tidbits and stuff that, that like, I remember one time he said like, oh, he's like, yeah, I cut, you know, he's like my original, you know, you know, dream project, whatever was the four hour version. But then he was like, oh yeah, he's like, I cut a three hour version of it. And he's like, I even cut a two hour and 20 minute version of it for Warner Brothers. And I was like thinking to myself, I was like, okay, like, why do you spend all this money on reshoots when he has literally given you like a fairly short, <laughs> you know, version of his film, you know, that's like two hours yeah. and 20 minutes. Like, why not just release that and save, you know, the money because you think about it, you're like, okay, you know, even if it made just as much as it did in theaters, you know, you, they would have actually been profitable on it. You know, <laughs> it's like, did we actually not learn anything at all from the, the BVS Batman versus Superman theatrical release? And then the, the ultimate edition, did we not learn from that? Like one, you can't just chop up a version of the movie and, and expect it to make sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, you know? Uh, I a hundred percent, you know, and what was kind of funny is like, that's, that was <laughs> part of the, the evidence that I even said when I said to people like, Hey, I feel like a longer version of like rise of Skywalker exists because I was like, you know, um, you know, like Terrio's scripts are, are really good. I was like, but they turn yeah. to not, not be very good when the film is cut up. And, and I was like, I really don't feel like Terrio turned this script for Rise of Skywalker in. I was like, I feel like there must have been a lot cut out, you know, because I was like, it wasn't a very good script and he's not that type of a writer. Oh, no, you know? I, I agree. I, I think I remember him saying, um, it might have been one of the articles I mentioned in the book, but I remember him. Ta- I mean, he talked about Rise of Skywalker and he didn't really seem to talk very negatively about it. I know. I think he'd mentioned that they wanted it to be two movies mm-hmm. instead of one because of the story they were trying to tell, but just, you know, the mouse said no. So that didn't happen. Yeah. Which that even alone is just kind of strange because, you know, you look at like hunger games, you see like how much money they made splitting the final movie up. You know I mean? You double your, your cash coming in. Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter, you know? And and it's like, I mean, and honestly, I would kind of feel like for the end of the, you know, quote unquote Skywalker saga, it's like having a part one and a part two just kind of makes it all the more epic, you know, um, in my personal opinion, but no, for yeah. sure. And uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know if part of that. I know. I know their hands were kind of tied behind their back with the whole Carrie Fisher situation and how to go about mm-hmm. that. Like I know that was probably not easy at all to figure that out. You know. But. No, that that definitely that definitely did did uh, did cause cause issues. You know, for their script since she was she was set to play a larger role um, according to them. But man, well, you know, with the. Uh, um, you know, segueing back into the, the Snyder Cut for right. all you Star Wars fans, you got a little bit of a treat there with yeah. us talking about that. You know, You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with the new management coming into like Warner Brothers and HBO Max, you know, and stuff, and there's there's a lot of rumors, you know, about possibly you know Hamada or Sarnoff being removed. Who knows if those are true or not? Um, you know, but um, but what we do know, you know, is that, you know, the the new CEO coming in um, has said he's going to be hands on. He said, we want to deliver what fans want. He said, you know, we're going to double down on superheroes, all this different stuff. We're, you know, we're basically going to make, you know, HBO Max and Warner Brothers, you know, a huge juggernaut. basically. Um, so with all of that coming in, you know, you know, there's a lot of 
feelings of hope, you know, in the Restore the Snyderverse camp. You know, I certainly feel uh, more hope than I did, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, oh, yeah. You know, do you, do you think that there's a possibility that we could see Justice League 2 or A Man of Steel 2 or, or something within that, that universe with this new administration coming in? Um, good question. That's the, the ultimate question, right? Are we getting, are we getting more? Um, it's tough because I'm also a really big fan of what Zach's doing at Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm super excited about rebel moon. I'm crazy excited about that movie. Um, it's going to be also, amazing. I think <laughs> I, I agree. I think so too. I, I'm really excited. Um, like I, I obviously I, I liked army of the dead. I'm not like a huge zombie horror guy, but I was really into that movie. Um, I liked Army of Thieves as well. I just saw that the other day. I thought that was really, really good. Really excited. You know, I really liked that movie too. Um, I'm excited to see more. Was it? Is it Planet of the Dead? Right. That's the next one. Yes. Yeah. Planet of the yeah. Dead. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm I'm excited about that too. Obviously, and mm-hmm. the the bigger ramifications there. And, um, but yeah. So, like, I'm a fan of what he's doing at Netflix, but at the same time, obviously, like. Yes, of course, I would love to see them do the nightmare future for Justice League movies. Um, I would love to see the Adam get his own movie like Zach had mentioned, Uh, you know, Ray Fisher getting a cyborg movie. I mean, it's kind of a I mean, that's almost even a bigger um, disappointment that he didn't get to continue that role after how amazing it was you know, in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, um, I mean, there's so much potential, obviously, like with Deathstroke, there's so many different ways you can go about it with continuing the Snyderverse, you know, and and just Man of Steel 2, the Batfleck movie, and, and you know, like there's so much potential, but it's it's tough because I know like Zack's doing Netflix. and um, But obviously, there's a chance it could happen, probably under the right circumstances, probably not within the next year. You're probably gonna have to wait a little bit to get everything kind of, set up and whatnot but but yeah i would love to see more no yeah definitely i i agree you know and you know and i can't imagine you know with uh you know with the the new owners coming in i can't imagine that they're not seeing you know these these articles coming out every day you know of like you know oh army of the dead you know one of netflix's most watched films you know army of thieves number one in 90 countries you know that they're seeing like how how big you know his films still are and i can't imagine that they're not maybe thinking like hey you know uh, <laughs> you know maybe maybe this was a you know maybe maybe uh, they shouldn't have let him go you know um right. but like yeah. but like i said i'm i'm excited about what he's doing at netflix as well i think uh, i think rebel moon is going to be just uh, i think it's going you know if what he said is true you know that it's going to be uh, the uh, prologue of man of steel on steroids and i'm like man we're we're in for something wild <laughs> i know right that sounds mm-hmm. really cool yeah. Mm-hmm. So, man. So, you know, um, you know, kind of, a, you know, um, we get to the end here, you know, as I said before, you know, you, you've truly written, you know, a history, you know, of the Snyder influenced DCEU, you know, from the start to where we are now. And, uh, you know, one thing I really, really liked about the book was that anybody could pick this book up and they could never have seen any of these DC films. They could be a casual viewer. They could, you know, whatever. And you lay out everything for them, you know, down to the cast of the films, down to descriptions of the trailers. Like, you know, they really do have a front row seat to uh, what happened um, over this uh, time period. And um, what do you as an author and as the author of this book uh, hope and want readers to get out of it? Um, just like a better underst- uh, understanding of what was intended, how what they were trying to do, and just like the overall bigger picture of, um, 
of the story of what happened, the behind the scenes aspect of it, the, you know, the audience aspect, the studio aspect, filmmaking aspect, you know, like all these different things that kind of um, mesh together. Um, I, I would love for people to either, whether they're a fan of the movies or not, I think it's a movie for anyone who's interested in this kind of topic um, or filmmaking in general and how movies work and how movie making works. Um, even if you're not a big fan of the movies, I think you could still enjoy the book. Um, you know, whether in, even if like you have seen the movies, I think you can go in with a different perspective of knowing more about how things were done and why things were done. And, um, I think you, it lends more appreciation to those movies on a rewatch of it. Um, and it's kind of spreading the word to people who maybe haven't really heard a lot about what is this all about, you know, or maybe they haven't seen the movies and, um, it kind of, um, can let them kind of experience it in a, in a new way. And, um, hopefully it enhances their uh, viewing experience as well. Excellent. So um, where can people, uh, where can people get their hands on it? Yeah. So they can find it on Amazon. Um, there's an ebook version, paperback and hardcover. Um, they're all on one page together and you can pick which version you'd like to get. Um, I think there's even a thing where you can actually view um, like the first few chapters or something like that of the book as well. If you click on there, it's like a preview. Um, but it's on all on Amazon, the Snyderverse saga, um, the culture shattering phenomena behind Zack Snyder's DC film universe. Um, so you can find it there. Excellent. And uh, where can people uh, find more of your work or follow you? Yeah, so you can find me. Um, I'm on most social media, but my main accounts that you'd probably see me on are on Twitter under my name, uh, Darren underscore Kirsch, or you can find me on uh, Vero under my name. I also have uh, a Twitter account dedicated to the book um, at Snyderverse Saga. And I'm also launching uh, my own podcast here shortly called Round Two, the film sequel, which covers um, the second installment in a film franchise and uh, why returning for the sequel is so special. Um, I also have a Twitter account for that too called at Round Two Podcast. Um, and you can also find me um, on the level 33.1 episodes of the always hold on to Smallville podcast. Excellent. So, you know, you heard that guy. So, so definitely go uh, give him a follow and check out his projects. Uh, you know, I, I give you a, a digital fist bump for that, uh, for that Barrow plug, you know, I, oh, I right use on. that a lot too, you know, right <laughs> awesome site. So, man, well, thanks again, you know, for, for coming on and chatting about this, you know, I, I had a great time and uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. you know, thank you for having me on. It was a blast. It was a pleasure. Um, it was a lot of fun.